0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In 1870, there was a man by the name of John Ellerton who wrote a poem that became quite famous as a hymn The day thou gave us, Lord, is ended. But in the last verse of that hymn, that poem, he very directly, without any subtlety, reminded Queen Victoria, no less, that the empire over which she presided was not going to last forever. It would go the way of all other empires. He said... So be it, Lord, thy throne shall never, like earth's proud empires, pass away. Thy kingdom stands and grows forever, till all thy creatures know thy sway. In the Middle Ages, there was an abbot who was appointed to a new monastery, and he arrived. When he did, the monks assumed he was just another monk. So they took him in and gave him orders, gave him jobs to do. He did them all obediently and quietly. Never complained until someone arrived and pointed out that this was their new abbot, their superior, their spiritual father, whom they were supposed to obey. It came as a shock to them, but it didn't bother the abbot at all. He was perfectly happy doing what he did, but now he had to become the abbot. We will see that in history with the saints, St. Thomas Aquinas had an ecstasy towards the end of his life, a vision of God. He told his secretary, Father Reginald, that all of of his works were straw and to burn them. Happily for us, he didn't do that. St. John of God would take in all kinds of refuse from society, homeless, beggars, prostitutes, and they would verbally abuse him One of his his benefactors said, why do you let them get away with that? He said, well, they know me better than you do. Uh, Whatever the case. We will see that in the saints often. But there is something in us that wants to be known, that wants to have power, that wants to be recognized. It's a difficult thing to overcome. Sometimes we do have talent, maybe even great talent. It has to be used and publicly, too. The question then is, this gift that we've been given by God, is that more important than the only real work in life that needs to be done well? And that's the business of becoming a saint. Everything else is meaningless compared to that. And so we come to today's gospel and these two interesting apostles. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder whom you remember wanted to call down lightning to destroy the Samaritan. And they go to the Lord and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Imagine to say that to God, even though they don't know that yet. We want you to do whatever we ask for you. They're thinking of a political kingdom. That's what glory is to them, as they always are. And our Lord then says, well, what do you wish me to do for you? And their request... Remember, this is John the Apostle. Nice, sweet, innocent John the Apostle wants this. Uh, Grant that in your glory, but it's glory, that's the kingdom, we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Now, our Lord doesn't answer their question. He asks them a question. God often does that. In the book of Job, when all of his friends come, and they try to tell him why all these terrible things have happened to him. He lost his family, his wealth, everything except Mrs. Job, and she only irritated him. And they give him all the answers to the questions. And then God appears and starts asking questions. And God's questions are a lot better than their answers. So our Lord asks them a question. You do not know what you're asking, and they don't. Can you drink the cup that I drink? What's the cup? The cup is the chalice. It's the agony of the garden. Take this cup away from me. It's the cup of suffering and death. It's the cup of the cross. And with the baptism with which I am to be baptized. What's the baptism? It's the baptism in blood. It's the baptism of his sacrifice. And they answer, not knowing what they are saying. We can. And our Lord said, the cup I drink, you will drink. This will be what your future is. And the baptism will be your baptism. As to my right or my left, that's not for, my, for me to give. So they think that they're being promised something really quite wonderful when he's promising them the life of an apostle. And the other ten are indignant. Why? Because they want exactly the same thing. The other ten are no less ambitious. They don't understand the kingdom of God either. They want what the other two were requesting. And our Lord now, and not for the last time either, has to explain to them about the nature of the kingdom of God and why he has come. It says, Jesus summoned them and said to them, he says, this is the way the Gentiles behave, but not you. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be the servant of all. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. That's a radically new concept. They still don't understand the kingdom. So he says to them, the son of man did not come to be served but to serve remember that was bishop gosman's motto and to give his life as a ransom for many the cross is the, what he has come to do the cross is the kingdom once again as i've said before when he is least when he can do absolutely nothing when he is completely immobile that's when he's doing his greatest work that's what he has come to do and that's what he's inviting them into also as apostles into that world a world that they definitely do not want but right now don't understand you and I can be the same way. We aspire to things, often, uh, things we ought not to have, things that we really should not be part of us, uh, when we are called to something very different. Uh, we have a great emphasis on self-esteem today, that's what people think about. Uh, but as to humility, no, no, no. And that's what our Lord has come to teach us. Well, they were going to keep forgetting this, they will continually forget what he's told them. And we will too. All of a sudden we see a moment when we can shine in a rather egotistical sort of way and we'll reach out for it. There's also another poet whom most of us do know, Rudyard Kipling, who uh, wrote a poem about this. Again, he was first attacking the pride of the British Empire, but also the pride in each one of us that exists even without us knowing it sometimes. And he said, The tumult and the shouting dies. The captains and the kings depart. Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, a humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget. Lest we forget. And we do as they did. He went on to say, he said, Far called navies uh, melt away. On dunes and headlands sink the fire. Lo, all the pomp of yesterday is one with Tyre, one with Nineveh and Tyre. Judge of the nations. Save us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. But I said the apostles forgot, because in St. Luke's Gospel, at the Last Supper, this will come up again. They will be a- arguing about which one is the greatest. At the Last Supper. Can you imagine that conversation? Between, that, between the, the eleven, anyway. Each one trying to suggest themselves to be superior. We do this all the time, don't we? Did you do that? Well, I did something better than that can imagine St. Peter, for instance, who could say, well, he walked on water. No one else walked on water. And they would remind him they didn't do it for very long either uh, because of his lack of faith. And so on and so on and so on. This forgetfulness of what it means. Our Lord will have to go to the cross to teach them. Even then, just before he ascends to the Father. They say to him, Lord, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? They still don't understand it, Uh, this forgetfulness. They won't understand it really until Pentecost. Even then, sometimes, they'll forget. So there we are. We are called to a unique humility, our Lord teaches us. You know, on the natural level, humility uh, is part of the virtue of temperance, by which we think neither too much nor too little of ourselves, given God's gifts. On the supernatural level, humility means standing at the foot of the cross. What it means is, on my own I am nothing. But standing at the foot of the cross, I need fear no one. Because our Lord will do it all for us. Uh, But there was one further verse in Rudyard Kipling's poem that's directed at each one of us. He said, For heathen heart that puts its trust in reeking's tube and iron shard. All valiant dust that builds on dust and guarding calls not thee to guard. For frantic boast and foolish word, thy mercy on thy people, Lord. That's a beautiful remembrance and very powerful thought, isn't it? That, those last two lines. For a frantic boast and foolish word. Thy mercy on thy people, Lord. Amen.